Thanks for listening to this sermon from River of Life Alliance Church. We hope the Holy Spirit uses it to point you toward Jesus. If you call River of Life home, we'd encourage you to join a journey group where you can unpack our sermons with a group of people who want to get to know you, who will care for you, read the Bible with you, pray over you, and serve alongside you. Thank you, worship team, for uh, leading us in worship and helping us be reminded of who we are in Christ, being rooted in that, the Christ who gave his life up for us. And and it's him who purchased that. And uh, he's really the center point of that. And so thank you for helping us worship Christ in, in uh, truth this morning. Well, as a church, uh, you know that we are a church that's about four different things when it comes to our ministry values, as we're a church that brings living water to the western slope. And those four words are restore Belong, abide, and multiply. When it comes to the issue of restore, though, years ago, tongue-in-cheek, I realized that Christians don't need any restoration when it comes to conflict. We pretty much have it mastered, right? We have it down. Church staffs never have conflict. In fact, people in church amongst each other never have conflict with each other. Our homes are pretty much perfect. And when we go to work, we always get along with everybody we work with, right? Wrong, right? It didn't take us very long after following Jesus to realize how much we need the gospel to be applied to those areas. But yet, how much of a struggle it is to live life in relationships. And that's the context in which we live most of our life. And in fact, in relationships, in the way that we live in relationships, it can be one of the greatest testimonies to the world in the way we handle it. Not in lack of conflicts, but how we handle conflict. In a couple of weeks, uh, pertaining to the issue of restore, we're going to have a seminar here at the church on April 6th, a Saturday after uh, all day from 8.30 till 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And uh, this is a national seminar that I'm a part of where I teach in different places around the country. I've, I've uh, traveled a number of times to teach this, and we're able to do it here at River of Life. And uh, it's resolving everyday conflict, the kind of conflicts that we get into uh, just on a normal everyday basis. I guarantee you if you come to it, you will gain something from it. And uh, we're going to go through that. It's $20 for the, the seminar that covers your lunch and all the materials for that day. Go to our church web, website and register for it, riveroflifegj.com. Uh, register for it today and, and go ahead and get that on your calendar. Uh, we're going to have some people coming from around the, the region uh, who will also be joining us on, on uh, that day for the Peacemaker Seminar. So I hope you'll join us on that day. Well, it's my privilege also today to get to um, introduce to you our guest speaker, who is somewhat of a guest, but really not a guest. Uh, he's very familiar with this church. Uh, many of you know Rob, some of you don't, because you're newer here. But Rob's story uh, was pastor of River of Life for 15 years, from 2001 to 2016, and uh, saw the church go through quite a few changes when he came. Uh, we were a small congregation, and we moved into a very different stage of, of church life here at River of Life uh, through his years of ministry. Uh, Rob now serves as our district superintendent of the Mid-America District. So listen to all the states that Rob gets to cover. Ready? Iowa, Nebraska, Colorado, Kansas, and Missouri. 
very small region. Um, Rob's in the car a lot and travels around to churches throughout. I think we have 65-ish churches. Rob maybe can give us an exact number later on, but 65-ish churches throughout our district based out of Omaha, Nebraska, uh, where Rob and his wife Lynn now live. You saw Lynn up here just a few minutes ago. Lynn is serving uh, as our district missions uh, coordinator and uh, does a great job of keeping us up to date with what's going on in the Alliance in missions and uh, rallying us around that. Robin Lynn raised seven kids and did a wonderful job doing that. Rob has a pastor's heart and is a faithful servant of Christ's church. And uh, if you don't yet know Rob, you'll get to know him this morning. You'll love him, and many of you already do. Let's, let's put our hands together and welcome Rob back up to the platform, to this pulpit he's very familiar with. Rob, I'd just like to pray for you as you get started yeah, here do. this morning. Father, thank you for uh, bringing Rob back to us this morning to share your word with us. Our prayer is just simply that you would uh, anoint his tongue, that he'd be able to proclaim through the Spirit's power your gospel this morning. We pray that you would also just illuminate your word to us, that Christ would be supreme in it. And Lord, that you'd prepare our hearts to receive and to be a people that are conformed to your image through, through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Brian. Well, it is good to be back. And... Uh... Every time we drive 76, we hit Fort Morgan and start looking for the mountains. And so uh, we love to come back to Colorado. I don't know why Colorado is part of the Mid-America District. We do have a Rocky Mountain District, but Colorado isn't part of the Rocky Mountain District. (laughs) Praise God. Uh, It gets us out of the plains. For those of you who are from the Midwest, bless you. Uh, The other day, Lynn and I were traveling. We got back to our home in Bellevue, uh, Nebraska, and Lynn said, oh, it's good to be home. And you know, when she says it's good to be home, uh, we've made some headway. After two and a half years, we're starting to call Omaha home. So it is good. But it's great to be here with you. I just want to, Brian, thanks for the introduction. That peacemaker ministry, if if we could get everybody in every church to that peacemakers, it would make my job so much easier uh, when it comes to conflict. And so thank you for putting that on. And I, and I do would ask you to take the time to do that. It's it's just some really simple uh, applications of the Word of God to normal everyday life, whether it's between husband and wife, families, church, work. It, it really applies to everything. So, Brian, thanks for doing that, and I do pray that uh, people, people show up. Well, it's, uh, it is good to be back. Uh, we have the privilege of traveling over those five states, and uh, we've been in every church over the last couple years. And uh, it's honestly, I'll just be on, don't, it doesn't leave this room. It's hard to uh, go to other churches and not compare it to River of Life. So uh, it's, sort of, it's sort of fun. My wife every now and then will stream uh, the, the services here. And it's just delightful to see the faces and come back. Uh, this was our home for 15 years. But God has a way of moving us, doesn't he? He has a way of changing, reorienting us, uh, moving us into new ministry, new places. And the question is, are we open to that? Are we willing to submit to God's will uh, for all of us uh, in this room? One of the big questions today. Uh, Go ahead and put that first slide up, Joseph. Uh, Calvin and Hobbes, if you were here in the early years, I love Calvin and Hobbes. I think uh, some great philosophy comes from this. Uh, Dad, what's a control freak? And Calvin's dad replies, that's what lazy, slipshod, careless, cut corner workers call anyone who cares enough to do something right. Calvin says, uh, am I in the presence of their king? Should I kneel? If anything works in this world, it's because one of us took charge. I don't know how many of you are uh, 
tend to be control freaks. If you live with one, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, people that have to have control, and when they don't, they get very nervous, and uh, things don't go well. I, oh, I, I submit to you today, I think we're all controllers to some degree. If I could look at your calendar, my guess, you probably know what's going to happen this afternoon. Do you have plans this afternoon? More than likely. You don't just say, okay, I don't know what's going to happen after church. You've probably got plans for lunch. You've got plans this week. If you look at my calendar, my Outlook calendar, for the next two months, everything's scheduled out. I've got it planned. I have to. Uh, So many of us uh, love to be in control of our lives. But my question this morning, what happens when our desire to control our lives collides with God's will? What happens when what we want to do and our desires collide with what God wants of us? And so this morning, we'll be looking at Luke chapter 9. If you want to turn there with me or scroll there on your phones, Luke chapter 9, verse 57 through 62 is the passage I'm going to be reading this morning. Jesus is, uh, in this chapter, he is on his way to Jerusalem. He knows the time has come for him to give up his life for you and I, to pay that atoning sacrifice for you and I, that we might uh, be free, that you and I might have an intimate relationship with our father. And so uh, he's on his way and three men come to him and want to be his disciples. He's already got in chapter 10, he's got at least 72 men and women that are with him that he's going to send out. But these three men approach him and say, we want to be your disciples as well. And let's hear what, how Jesus responds to their request to be his disciples. As they were walking along the road, uh, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And he said to another man, follow me. But that man replied, Lord, first let me go bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service of the kingdom of God. Oh, you have that screen back there. That is so awesome. I don't have to look behind me. Thank you. That's, I'm sure you didn't do that for me, but it's sure. <laughs> Great. It's a good idea. Um, three men approach Jesus, three men that want to be his disciples. And three very uh, uh, rather awkward moments, I would say. If you were standing there watching this, it may be a little awkward for you to watch Jesus' interaction with these three men. But I think there's some things we can learn for that. The first one uh, says, uh, Jesus says, uh, I will follow you wherever you go. And he says, listen, the, the, the foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the son of man, I have nowhere to lay my head. I don't even know where I'm going to sleep tonight. I'm not sure what, I know that I'm heading to, to Jerusalem, but if you follow me, you have to give up everything. Do you really trust me enough to give up everything to follow me, to fall in line with my will And the question is, does Jesus deserve control of our lives? Can you and I trust Jesus with everything? Can we give up our plans? Can we give up our control to follow Jesus, to be his disciples? I want to turn to 1 Peter chapter 1 to answer that question. I think it's really simple. Can we trust Jesus? The answer is, sure. Right? We're sitting in here. Can we trust Jesus? Do we trust Jesus? 
Do you trust Jesus? Do I trust Jesus with every aspect of my life? If I was that man and Jesus said, yeah, you can follow me, but I don't know where I'm sleeping tonight. There's no Holiday Inn Express on the way. I have no idea what's going on. So you have to give up control of everything if you want to be my disciple. Should we trust Jesus? Yes. Can we and do we? That's quite another, another answer. Verse 18 in chapter 1 of Peter. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. You were redeemed. You were bought back from an empty way of life. I lived an empty way of life for 24 years without Jesus. And I remember waking up in the morning saying, is this it? Is this all there is to life? Anybody been there? There's got to be more than what I'm doing. I'm, I was in the Air Force. I was married to a beautiful woman. Uh, we were traveling all over with the Air Force, and I still woke up every morning saying, is this it? At the very time of my life that, that I should have been at the peak of, of everything that everybody wanted, and I'm asking the question, is this all there is? And I recognized that I was living an empty life. I was not living that life that Jesus speaks about when he says, I have come to give them life and give it to the full. I was not living a full life. And here, Jesus looks at this man and says, if you follow me, you need to give up control of everything. You need to leave your empty way of life and follow me. And I'll give you a full life. But before you experience that full life, you're going to have to trust me enough to follow me wherever I go. And do what I ask you to do. You and I were bought with the precious blood of Jesus. Can we trust him? He bought us. He owns you. He owns me. He bought me with that blood. He's adopted us as sons and daughters. I love the music this morning. I'm a child of God as we sing that. Do we truly believe that? Well, we're a child of God because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He bought us. He paid for us. He redeemed us from that empty way of life into a full life if we trust him with that life. I had a hard time with that. I'm still having a hard time with that. I still struggle with that. Following Jesus is a matter of trusting him as Savior, yes. But I think what he's talking to these men about, can you trust me as Lord? Can you give up everything and trust me as your Lord? We sang that song this morning, I'm no longer a slave to sin, but I am a child of God. We were bought back. Can we trust him? Does he own every corner of your life? Has Jesus called you into hard things? He has called you into doing hard things. And he will continue to call you to do hard things. Do you trust him with that? Some of you have been through some very difficult struggles. Do you trust him with those struggles? Some of you have been on the mountaintop. Could you trust him with those mountaintop experiences? He's asking this man, he's saying, you can follow me, but you, you've got to give up control of all things and truly trust me. I don't know if this guy followed him or not. We don't have the rest of the story. Maybe in heaven... Again, I just see sitting at coffee shops all day long in heaven. That's my idea of heaven. And sitting and visiting. And, and I'm sure sometime in eternity, I'll, I'll run into this guy, I hope. I hope he, he decided to follow Jesus. And I'll ask him, well, what'd you do? What'd you think when Jesus says, I have nowhere to lay my head tonight? Do you still want to follow me? Did he or did he not? I want to show you a picture of someone. Can I have that next shot, Joseph? This is uh, Matt and Amber Walker uh, with their three girls, Matt and Amber uh, are a couple that chose to follow Jesus and gave up uh, everything. 
They were in Weston, Kansas. He was a youth pastor there. He drove truck. It's a farming community. And Matt and Amber uh, at council two years ago pulled uh, the gentleman that I work with, Kent Silvine, off into a corner and said, Kent, I think God's calling us to be a lead pastor somewhere in a rural community. Well, we just happened to have in Hayes Center in Nebraska, a, a town of 200. Anybody been to Hayes Center? I didn't think so. You have to look for Hayes Center. You, you're just not going to go through it going anywhere. Town of 200. And there we had a group of six people meeting in uh, the, the living room of a bed and breakfast. They do have a bed and breakfast. Very nice. I've stayed there several times. Uh, this group of people working there looking for a lead pastor. And Matt said, I think that's where I'm going. So he met. He and his wife packed their three girls up, moved from Weskin to Hayes Center, and then now have a church of 40. It's been hard. They're both working. And Matt realizes he has to work. He's, he's driving for the, for the county just to rub shoulders with men and women that he would never rub shoulders with. She's working in a grocery store. The three girls have had some hard times integrating into the school system there. But Matt was the man that said, yes, I don't know where you're laying your head, Jesus, but I'm going to follow you. And I'll follow you. These guys are my heroes. And these are the kind of men and women that you help support as we plant churches in some of the least reached uh, cities in our, and, and towns in our, in our district. Hayes Center. Nobody else is going to go there. Matt and Amber said, yes, I'll follow you. I just ask you to pray. Um, what is God asking you these days that you're fighting against? What's God asking you to give up in order to follow him that you're saying no? Like this man, are you willing to follow Jesus even when it does not fit your plans? My sense is there's people in this room that something even today you're saying, Lord, I just, that's going to be too hard for me to do. I don't want to do it. I'm giving up too much. I don't want to give you control. Second guy. The second man says, uh, he, then he said, follow me. This man replied, Lord, first let me go bury my father. And then Jesus said, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. A little harsh, right? I've never said that to anybody that's come to me with that question. With, they said, well, let me go. Well, sure, of course, go bury your father and then come follow me. But Jesus is asking this man to totally reset his priorities. As harsh as it sounds... Jesus knew that there is an urgency to the gospel. When Jesus tells us and asks us to follow him, I'm afraid, uh, brothers and sisters, there is no but first let me do this. There is no but first. When he asks us to follow him, we need to say, okay, I'll be obedient to that call. When he tells you, when he calls you into this intimate relationship of following Jesus, there is no but first let me go do this. He's saying no. And he's calling us into mission, as Lord Jean and, and Lynn shared up here this morning. He's calling us into mission to take the gospel. He says, you go proclaim the kingdom of God. Simple. You and I have this gift of the good news, this gift of salvation that he's given us. And our job and our ministry is to do what? Proclaim it. He said, you go proclaim it. And so I think with this second man, he's saying, can you live for me? Can you reset your priorities for me? I think in the church we have lost the urgency of sharing the gospel with our world. Jesus is coming back, isn't he? We know that. Are we living like he's coming back? 
Is there an urgency to our life that he's telling this man, no, you let the dead bury their own dead. You go proclaim the kingdom that others might live. There's an urgency in Jesus' message to this man. And it's very clear. Proclaim the kingdom of God. In John 9, 4, Jesus said, We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. I have a friend, Simeon Menso. He's a pastor of uh, our Liberian church in, in Aurora, Colorado. <clears throat> and I was uh, visiting with Simeon. I said, and, and one of the things I ask is, we, we want to take care of our pastors. One thing I, I asked him, do you, do you have a Sabbath? Do you take a day just to rest and, and, and to be away from work and, and ministry? And uh, all Simeon said, he said, R.I.P. I go, what? He goes, R.I.P. Simeon, what, what does that mean? He said, I'll rest. My Sabbath is when Jesus comes back or he takes me from this earth. Until then, uh, he understood this. There's work to be done. Someday it will be night and no more work. When Jesus comes back, our work is done, right? That makes sense? When I die, my work is done. But until that day comes, we're to proclaim the kingdom of God. We have this uh, tremendous gift, you and I. We sing about it. We read about it. And we're to give this gift to others. And Jesus sets that as our priority. Can I have that next slide up? This is uh, Jim and Tammy Ratty are the couple uh, there on the floor. Uh, Jim was challenged uh, with this resetting his priority. Jim was a, a captain in the Navy. If you don't know what that is, he was a commander of a nuclear submarine. And then he went to STRATCOM. That's how he ended up in Nebraska as the guy that controlled all the nuclear weapons in the United States Everything. Pretty powerful guy, right? That was him. That was Jim Raddy, the man in the middle with his tie. Not a believer. His marriage was a mess. Tremendous testimony. And uh, he started getting some counseling. And he came to know Jesus Christ through the ministry of Christ Community, one of our churches there in Omaha. He and his wife. Uh, they put their marriage back together. He applied for a job thinking, well, I've got, his resume is pretty impressive, you can imagine. Applied for a job in Christ community, said, no, you're not mature enough yet. You haven't been walking with Jesus long enough. Uh, you have to reset your priorities because at that point he was working for a contractor, getting paid, I have no idea how much money. I'd be afraid to ask. And a Christ community said, no, we don't want you as a pastor. So we went back to Grace uh, Community College, or Grace University there in uh, Omaha, got his degree in ministry, and two years later came back, and now he's on staff at Christ Community Church. And this is his ordination. Uh, last Sunday night, we had the privilege of ordaining uh, Jim. Jim is, again, one of those heroes of mine, a man who gave up uh, priorities, changed his priorities, gave up much to follow Jesus, and he is proclaiming the kingdom. The question for us this morning, are our priorities set on life or are they set on the empty way of life? As I look at Jim and Tammy, I really have come to appreciate that man for the dramatic change that God has made in his life. And he is truly set on taking the good news into the kingdom. What's keeping you from sharing the great news of Jesus, Savior to the world? 
I think God may ask you to change your priorities. What are your goals in life? Is God asking to reset those? Where do you want to be in five years? Is God asking you to reconsider those? The third man, so he's, he's, he's asking us to, to, uh, to reset our priorities. He's asking us to give up control and trust him. And the third man said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back. He should have learned from, from the first guy, right? He said, but first let me go back. He said, no, stop that. The other guy, that didn't work for him either. Uh, for, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And he says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. The third man said, uh, I'm following you, but you, we must stop looking back. No matter what your past has been, the joy of being in a church for 15 years, as I was here at River of Life, is that I get to know a lot of you, and I get to know a lot of your pasts. And you know a lot of my pasts. Some of, some of our pasts have been ugly and dysfunctional. Some of our pasts are things that we're not proud of. Some of our pasts are things that are, are wonderful, experiences we've had and, and uh, accolades that we could look at. But Jesus said, when you put the hand to the plow, we're no longer looking back, wishing we were somewhere else, wishing we could do something else, wishing we could change things in our past. When you put the hand to the plow, we're fixing our eyes on Jesus. In Hebrews we read, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of, of witnesses, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith who endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the Father. Consider him who endured its opposition so that you will not lose heart or grow faint. I think as we look at our future and we put our hands to the plow, my tendency, honestly, is to tend to look back. Oh, Brian, I wish I was back in the church. Oh, to go back and be a, a pastor of a church again. I long for that. And, and then dad, or dad, my dad, my father, really, literally, my, my heavenly father sort of slaps me and goes, what are you thinking? I have, don't, don't look back on the past. This was a wonderful experience, but he's, your hand's on the plow. And, and we know on a plow, you've got to keep looking forward, right? If you look back, that furrow goes wherever. We've we got to keep looking ahead. Or I'll look back and say, oh, to go back and be an Air Force pilot again. Oh, that was the simple days. The mission was simple. Go out, pick up the down guy, and bring him back. Now, it's, it's complicated. This is a hard and challenging ministry. But God's saying, Rob, you've got to stop looking back and let's look ahead. So for some of you, as we, as I know you're alive, some of you look back and go, oh, if only I had, and say, stop, don't look back. Don't long for things or don't regret things. If we're going to be effective in the kingdom, we put our hands to the plow and we look ahead, we stop looking back. Can I have that next slide up? This is Myron Pierce and his three boys, Myron and Kristen. Uh, uh, he, Myron was the first uh, ex-felon that I had the privilege, we had the privilege of licensing. We now have ex-felon, three ex-felons serving as lead pastors in our district. It's awesome. Talk about men that are not looking back. Men that have been dramatically changed by the gospel of Jesus by the good news of Jesus Christ, who have been redeemed from their empty way of life. Myron is a great example of that. Myron serves at Mission Church in North Omaha. He has been licensed for two years. His church is, uh, Lynn and I love to visit that church. We take our earplugs, then we put those in when the worship starts, because it is rowdy. This guy preaches like no other preacher I've heard. 
You walk into their church, and you're going to have every. You're going to have a lot of African Americans. You're going to have. You're going to have Hispanic. You're going to have every color represented in his church. And they've just planted. They're two years old. They just planted mission mission two. Ron Smith, another ex felon. Uh, we just licensed him. Him and Ron is leading Mission Two Church in North Omaha. Why? Because uh, North Omaha, if any of you are familiar with Omaha, that's the drug um, capital of Nebraska, I suppose. Dark place. I could not go there and pastor. Myron can. And I love Myron. I love Ron. Todd Penbroke, another guy that we have licensed uh, felon. (laughs) All of them met Jesus in prison. And all of them are serving the Lord in our district, and none of them are looking back. For you and I, we must stop looking back, wishing we were somebody else, wishing we'd made different choices, because Jesus says, I've got a plan for you. It's a good plan. Now let's press into what I have. Let's preach the kingdom of God. There is an urgency, and I'm not sure I've ever felt it more than being in this ministry. As a look around, we've got uh, 19 million people in this district And I would guess that 18 million of them are going to be separated from Jesus, separated from Father forever. Unless you and I take the good news of Jesus into our world, into your world, into the the Grand Valley. I'm not sure we can live with that. And so, oh, that's a heavy... But we 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 have the good news. And this church is a light. And we have other churches in this valley that are lights to the darkness and like myron we don't look back we look ahead and see what he's got for us uh our prayer here is why do we keep looking back do we have regrets we have past sins we have longing do we have successes it's unhealthy focus to keep looking behind us i just would encourage you to look ahead so the question is do you think these three guys were added to their numbers that day I don't know. Again, I hope that I'll find that out someday. Are you in or out? You have been called to follow Jesus. You have been called to be a disciple of Jesus. If you've taken him as Savior, you are called to be his disciple. And we can be either in or we can be out. We can say, yes, God, I'm all in. You have control of my life. You can reset my priorities and I'm going to stop looking back. Or we can say, nah, I'm out. I'm not sure that I'm willing to do that. And follow you. Two things I want to leave you with this morning. Uh, Number one, if we're going to be disciples of Jesus, if we're going to enter into this very intimate relationship with our Savior, this intimate relationship... Again, I love John chapter 10, where Jesus talks about him being the good shepherd. And he says, when I speak, when the shepherd speaks, the sheep hear his voice. And they follow me. I'm picturing this sheep pen with bands of sheep from different shepherds there. And when Jesus comes up and he speaks, his sheep follow him. Everybody else stays there, but his sheep follow him. That's the kind of intimate relationship God's calling us to. And my question for us, are we hearing the voice of Jesus? Every time you open the word, you're asking 
God to speak to you clearly as you meditate on his word. As you go to the Father in prayer, are you asking Jesus to speak to you in prayer? Some of you have visions and dreams. Are you asking God to speak to you through visions and dreams? Some of you are in rich relationships. Are you asking God to speak to you through your, through your relationships, through your family and friends, those men and women that can encourage you and exhort you? Are you listening to the voice of God? When was the last time you heard the voice of God speak? He is. But are we, are we in the posture of listening if we're going to follow him, if we're going to reset priorities, if we're, if we're going to give up all control, if we're going to stop looking back, then I must, for me, I must hear the voice of God. I must be in tune with what he's, he wants me to do, and I would, I would commend you to the same thing. Are we listening to his voice? When was the last time we took time? We are so distracted, aren't we? My phone broke last night. It's not charging. Ironic, isn't it? As I'm preaching, are we listening to the voice of God? I've got all week... Because we're taking, my wife and I are taking, Lynn and I are taking four days of vacation time while we're out here, of course. And my phone's broke. Ah. <laughs> God says, Rob, just stay off your phone for four days. Uh, brothers and sisters, we must find time to listen. If we're going to be a disciple of Jesus and follow him and be obedient, we must listen to his voice. I was... Uh, you, you gave me the time, but I don't... Anyway, uh, I'm going to ignore it. Because <laughs> I'm the DS. Uh, I was at the zoo. One of the, Omaha has a great zoo. If you're ever out there, please. We have three, three spare bedrooms. Please call us. Let us know. Three beds are already, always made up, and we love visitors from Grand Junction. Uh, my, I was at the zoo, and, and we have five of our grandkids out there. And Luke is... How old is Luke? Four? Five now? I was with Luke, and Grandpa had Luke. My job was to watch Luke, right? And we went through the aquarium. We come out the other side, and I said, Luke, stay right there. And I turned to go do something, and I turned around, where is he? He's gone. And, and, and I said, I, he heard me, Luke, stay there. And, and he just disappeared. And uh, then, of course, Josh and Rebecca come out, and they go, where's Luke? I go, I have no idea. And so Lynn and Josh and Rebecca and I are searching everywhere for Luke. Well, he'd gone. Luke wanted to do what he wanted to do. He didn't want to listen to me. Well, figure, five-year-olds. He went back into the aquarium. We find him wandering around looking at something. And a lot of times that's how I feel with God. God, I, I, I just don't want to listen to you. I want to do my own thing. I want to keep control. I want to set my priorities. I want to keep longing for things in the past. And God said, no, you, you, you must listen to me. And with our kids, we say, look at, look at our eyes. And when we finally have their eyes, we knew that they were engaged in listening. And I think God's saying, do I have your eyes? Are you, are you in a posture of listening to me? Men and women, if we're not taking time out in our lives to listen to the Father, we cannot be his disciple. Second thing is we cannot follow Jesus on our own power. We must keep in step with Spirit. We must, we must be dependent on the Holy Spirit of God. He dwells in us, but we tend to really limit his authority over us. In Acts 1.8, he says, don't go anywhere, disciples. You're not going to be effective out there until power from on high comes on you, and then you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And I truly believe that without the power of the Spirit, we can do nothing effective in Grand Junction, in our state, in our country, and in our world. So a posture of listening, praying every morning when you wake up that you would be obedient to the to the power of the Holy Spirit, and you would give the, the Holy Spirit authority in your life. 
Last slide. And this is it. There is a harvest. I love that. But after, after these three men in chapter 10, what does he do? These three guys said, we want to follow you. And he says, I don't know. He says, well, first do this. I don't know if these three men were part of the 72. But then he immediately sends out the 72. He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest for workers in his harvest field. And he sends the 72 out to precede him. He says, you go to all the villages on the way to Jerusalem, and I'll, I'll follow you be behind you, and I will follow up on that. And so he asks you and I to take the good news of Jesus. The disciples went ahead of Jesus. Myron and Kristen went ahead. Matt and Amber went ahead. Jim and Tammy went ahead. You and I are to go ahead of Jesus and share the good news of Jesus and let the Holy Spirit do his mighty work and do the converting. We are not looking back. We're letting Jesus set our priorities, and we are fully in. We're going to trust Jesus. And the simple message of the Grand Valley is that the kingdom of God is near you. Last verse is chapter 10, verse 20. The 72 go out, and they come back, and they're really excited, aren't they? They saw the power of the Holy Spirit work in the message. They went around, and they said, we could cast out demons. The Spirit was moving, and they come out. And this is what Jesus said. He said, uh, however, do not rejoice that the Spirit submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. I want to leave that with you today. These men and women went out in the power of the Spirit. They listened to Jesus. They reset their priorities. They surrendered everything to him. And they went out, and they were very effective in ministry. And they come back and was Jesus. Don't rejoice in that. That was good. But rejoice that you are my son and daughter. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Why do we do what we do? A lot. If you've been around the church, I, I tend to come in and say, hey, this is what we got to do, church. We got to take the gospel into our world. Why do we do it? Because we are his children. Why do we do it? Because our names are written in heaven. Why do we do it? Because when he does come back, you know, I'll experience eternity with Jesus. Is that a, is that a motivator for us? Don't be motivated because I'm standing here telling you. Be motivated because of your relationship with Jesus already through, through his blood. So I would just encourage you to, to be in a posture of listening be, be dependent on the Holy Spirit and take great joy every day, every hour that your names are written in heaven. Let me pray for us. I'm going to invite the worship team back up and pray. Father, thank you for this passage. Lord, thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for the life of Christ. Uh, Lord, thank you for Luke and uh, him writing this down and and giving us this gospel. Father, thank you that you're reminding us that we have the good news of Jesus Christ, and it is really good news. And Father, thank you for reminding us that our mission is just to take this good news into our, into our world. Father, for those that are sitting here this morning, I pray that the Holy Spirit would empower them, that the Holy Spirit would equip them, and, Father, that everyone here would know that their names are written in heaven. And because of that, Lord, we go and we take that good news to others. So, Lord, use this church, lose a brother, use the brothers and sisters here to advance your kingdom. And, God, we give you all the honor and the glory. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. <laughs>